So I'll think together about the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. This should not baffle or frustrate anyone, but simply the virgin birth explains who Jesus is. A few weeks ago, I referred to a survey made among 700 different denominational preachers. Uh, this morning, I'd like to refer to that survey one more time. Among the 700, 19% reject the account of the incarnation of Jesus. That's one out of every five who claim to be preaching the Bible do not believe that Jesus came and existed before and took upon himself human form. That's the incarnation. Thus, they don't believe in the virgin birth of Jesus. And 38% of this same group do not believe that the Old Testament prophets could foretell anything in the future. Well, I'd like to look at a couple of the Old Testament prophets that foretold the coming of a son that would be virgin born. Let's start with Isaiah, chapter 7 and verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. A virgin is going to give birth to a son. Isaiah, how did he know about this? 700 years before it was fulfilled. Well, 2 Peter 1, 21 tells us that Holy men of old spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Isaiah was guided by the Holy Spirit. When we turn over to Matthew 1, we find Jake, uh, Joseph engaged to Mary. Not married yet, though it refers to him as husband and wife. That was their custom in those days. But they were not living together. And Joseph finds out that his betrothed is expecting a baby. He believes the report. And he's thinking about putting her away privately. He's a righteous man. He doesn't want to disturb any more than what Mary is going to have to endure. But it's then that the angel appears to him and explains that what is conceived in the body of Mary is of the Holy Spirit. That Mary is a pure, wholesome woman. She's just a servant of God. Jesus is the one referred to here as God with us. The one who is to be born of the virgin. To be the son of man. God in the flesh. There's another scripture that's found in the Genesis 3 and 15, which is a prophecy about the virgin birth. Remember Adam and Eve had disobeyed God and he speaks to the serpent and to Adam and to Eve and pronounce a curse upon them for their disobedience. Well in Genesis 3.15 he's addressing himself to the serpent who was the representative for the devil. And God said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. He shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. But the seed of the woman, 
refers to Jesus, the seed, and Mary, the mother, the woman. And this seed is to come of the woman alone without any concurrence of man. So the seed of the woman shall bruise the serpent's head. Well, when Jesus died for our sins, to destroy him who had the power of death, he thus bruised Satan's head, his power, his lordship over man. Satan only bruised the Lord's heel, that is Christ's heel. When Jesus died for our sins, he was raised triumphantly from the grave, from death, Galatians 4 and 4 tells us that in the fullness of the times, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, and born under the law. At the right time, in the fullness of God's time, Jesus was born of Mary the Virgin. He sent forth his son. He did not come from heaven as a full-grown man. Jesus did not come even as an angel. But he came by means of a virgin birth. Joseph was not Jesus' fleshly father. When we turn over to Matthew, there is a genealogy of Jesus, beginning with Abraham all the way down to Jesus. There are supposedly 14 generations from Abraham down to David, then from David down to Jeconiah, and from Jeconiah down to Jesus. And during that genealogy that we read there 39 times, it says that this one begat this one, and then that one begat the next. Like Abraham begat Isaac, Isaac begat Jacob, Jacob begat Judah, Judah begat Perez, Perez begat Ram or Aram, and, and so forth. Until they get down to Joseph. And then it's changed. There we read, and the record says, And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. Matthew 1.16. This would have been the place to say that Joseph begat Jesus. But it doesn't say that. And nowhere does it teach such a doctrine. Let me give you a number of reasons, scriptures that go with these reasons, that are convincing that Jesus was not a mere man. One, no mere man was in the beginning with God before the world, as was Jesus. We turn over to John 1, 1, 2, and 3, and 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Through him all things were created. Without him was not anything created that hath been created. Then verse 14, and the Word that was with God, and the Word that was God, through whom all things were created, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, glory of, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ was in the beginning with the Father. Number two, no mere man first existed up in heaven as did Jesus. 
and then come down from heaven to this earth. John 3, 16 and 17, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He goes on. For God sent not his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. God sent his son into the world. John 6, 38. Jesus said, I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus was saying he was sent, and he was sent from heaven. He existed before he came to this earth. But he didn't come to do his own will, the will of him who sent him. And then verse 62, the same chapter, John 6. Jesus puts this to the disciples. He says, uh, and what think ye? When you see the Son of Man ascending back where he was before. What's Jesus say? I'm the Son of Man, and you're going to see me ascend where I was before. Before he came to this earth. Also, we notice. That was number two. Hmm. Also, we could have given you Philippians 2, 5, 2, 8. I have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, counted not being on an equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, coming in, in the likeness of man. He existed before, but he came to be a man. Number three, no mere man was with the Father in heaven before the world was brought into existence as Jesus was. Over in John 17, there's a long prayer, the longest prayer recorded of Jesus in the Bible. In verse 5, Jesus says to the Father, And now, Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. He had glory with the Father before the world was created. Also, look at verse 24 of John 17, where he makes a similar type statement. Thanking the Father for those that had been given to him. Father, if Father, I desire that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Number four. God never prepared any other an earthly body in which to live as he did the virgin-born body of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 10 and 5 says, A body hast thou prepared me. Number five, no one other than Jesus was called the Son of God because of the miraculous operations of the Holy Spirit. Upon a virgin, in his being 
begotten of God so as to have a virgin birth. Number six, no one other than Jesus was born of a woman who had never known a man. You remember when the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary? This is in Luke 1. We'll start from 35 on down, or from 30 to 35. And the angel says to Mary, you know, be not afraid. Thou hast found favor with God. And thou shalt conceive and bring forth a son. And he's going to be called the son of the most high. That's God. He's going to sit upon the throne of David. And he's going to reign over the tribes of Jacob. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Well, Mary's listening to all that. And then she has to say, but how can this be? I don't have a husband. I don't know a man. I am a virgin. And then the angel explains it's by the Holy Spirit that this shall be brought about. Number seven. Mary was found with child, that is, expecting a child of the Holy Spirit before she and Joseph lived together as husband and wife. The angel said to Joseph, we referred to this earlier, that the child was of the Holy Spirit and that Mary had not sinned with any man. And Joseph accepted that testimony. He took Mary to be his wife, and then the Bible says, Joseph knew her not till she brought forth her son, Jesus Christ. Number eight, the Bible tells us that Joseph was a righteous man, a just man. But Joseph could not have been a righteous, just, true man if he had begotten a child out of wedlock, out of wedlock. Again, we see that Jesus was not Joseph's child. Number nine, unless Jesus was born of a virgin, he never would have been called the only begotten of the Father and God's only begotten Son, as in John 1.14, John 3.36. All such passages are teaching the fact of the virgin birth of the Son of God. Number ten, the signs and the miracles which were done by Jesus are given as proof that he is the Son of God. Remember John 20, verses 30 and 31? Many other signs did Jesus in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that believing you might have life in his name. Notice, the Son of God, not merely a Son of God. Number 11, at his baptism, a voice was heard, the voice of the Father. And he said, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The Father, Jesus is his Son. Remember, he was the Son of God because he was begotten of the Holy Spirit. He was begotten of God 
He was begotten to be born of the virgin Mary. Then when we turn to Romans 1, verses 3 and 4, Paul tells us that Jesus, I'd rather, yes, Jesus was a son of David. Physically, he was a descendant of David. But then he says in verse 4, that Jesus was declared to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead. In other words, the resurrection of Jesus proved his virgin birth. Proves he is the son of God rather than the son of Joseph. When he went up on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John went along. And they are the witnesses. They are the ones who heard the voice of the Father again saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And then 14. One of the purposes of John the Baptist's work was to manifest or to introduce Jesus to the nation of Israel. And God had given John a sign. The Holy Spirit will descend upon him. There's his anointing. In the form of a dove. And when you see the dove lighting upon Jesus, there's the fulfillment of the sign. But John says he saw this take place when he baptized Jesus. And then he says in John 1, 33 and 34, I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Now, whose son is or was Jesus? After all that can be said of Christianity, the one answer which can settle all questions is, whose son is or was Jesus? Was he a mere man or was he the son of God? Jesus asked the same question toward the end of his public ministry. He turned to the, the, the multitude and he asked them, What think ye of the Christ? Whose son is it? Well, they all in unison replied, The son of David. Well, that prompted another question from Jesus. If he's the son of David, how then doth David in the spirit, that is by the Holy Spirit, call him Lord? And then he quotes the scripture. The Lord said unto my Lord. There's two lords here. Ephesians 4 and 5 says there's one Lord. There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God. There's one Lord. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All three in the scriptures are referred to as the Lord. That's the unity of the Godhead. But how does David in the spirit call him Lord? The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I put thine enemies under thy feet. They could, not, uh, they could not answer that. They all believed, these Jewish descendants, that the Messiah would be the son of David, but just human. They could not conceive of him being also deity, the son of God. Son of man, oh yeah. Son of God, oh no. If David then calleth him Lord, how is he his son? They couldn't answer that. They never asked him another question after that. 
They did not conceive of the Christ being deity, the Son of God. You remember Peter's answer to Jesus' question, but who say ye that I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Matthew 16, 16. Two things. Thou art the Christ. Thou art the anointed. The one that we read about from the Old, the Old Testament prophets. To be anointed as a physical son of David. But then he adds to that, the son of the living God that puts the, the, uh, the divine element in his prophecy. Thou art the Christ, the anointed son of God. Thou art the son of God, deity, the only begotten of God. Jesus Christ is the man of all ages. H.E. Wells, an English historian, made a list of famous people. He acknowledged Jesus as the greatest man in all history. Now, how could one account for such greatness while holding him to be a mere man? We are 2,000 years more capable of producing great men now than when Jesus grew up and became a man. 2,000 years. How do we account for his greatness? Do you have greater educational opportunities than we have today in the 20th century? Did he come from greater cities than we have today? No, that won't account for it. We have 2,000 years advantage over the first century. We've been trying to produce great men all these centuries, but the greatest of them would blush with shame to be compared with Jesus of Nazareth. If we, with all of our advantage, advantages, cannot equal Jesus, by any means, but must confess that we are falling, failing to even equal him in moral conduct. It must be because he is not just a mere man, but he is the son of the living God. Jesus is our mediator, the only one who could be a mediator between God and man, being both deity and human. First Timothy 2, 5 and 6 says there is one God, one mediator between God and men, himself man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. The only mediator, one who is God, one who is man, could be the go-between. The only one qualified to serve in this important capacity being all God and all man. Some people might think of him, well, he's 50% human, 50% divine, because he's a 100% person. No, I've got him a 200% person. <laughs> because he's 100% deity. He's no less deity when he came on this earth, took upon himself humanity, and he's no less humanity because he was previously deity. He's 100% human, he's 100% deity. That makes 200%. Jesus could say, I am the only begotten Son of God, 
and I'm the son of man, being born of a woman. So being the son of God, he loved his heavenly father. Being the son of man, he loves humanity. That makes him the one mediator, the one go-between. Nothing is impossible with God. There was a man who said he believed that God created Adam out of the dust of the ground. And then took one of his ribs and made Eve. But he could not believe that Jesus could have been born of a virgin. He just couldn't believe it. He thought that was impossible. Gus Nichols knew the man. And he pointed out to the man that it was not as great a miracle to bring Jesus into the world by means of a mother only as to bring Adam into the world without either father or mother. Well, he saw the point. With further study, the man eventually was baptized into Christ. If one believes in the Almighty God, he should have no difficulty in also believing in the virgin birth of Jesus. Now, some of you folks may remember Charles Atlas. I don't think he's still around, but when I was a boy, he was the weightlifter. He was a bodybuilder. Charles Atlas, that wasn't his real name, but he got that name Atlas. You know, you've seen the pictures of Atlas holding up the whole world. He's a strong man. So he called himself Charles Atlas. Well, he could lift weight like, say, I don't know how much, but at least 500 pounds. If Charles Atlas could lift 500 pounds, would one doubt he could lift 10 pounds? And if there is a God who created all things, why quibble at a little thing like the virgin birth? I mean, in one sense, it wasn't little, it was a miracle. But comparison to everything else, the Lord's deity explains his miracles, his infallible teaching, his resurrection and ascension, his sending of the Holy Spirit, the power exercised by the apostles in confirming the word. All of this and other explains, his deity explains everything. Now, let me make one statement. Our souls, my soul and your soul, are in the balance when we answer this question. What think ye of the Christ? Whose son is he? Now those who say he's just a man, that's too bad, isn't it? Again, Matthew 17 and 5, the voice from heaven, the Father's voice said, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. And if we believe that he is the son of God, then we need to listen and believe him. Hear him. The whole New Testament is his revelation to man. We need to believe and obey all that applies to us. If we are ready to surrender our lives to him, that means we'll stand up and confess his name before men and women. We certainly will change our lives having made the decision to repent 
and to be buried with him in baptism for the remission of our sins. Those are the words of Jesus, the Son of God, deity, the one who has all authority and all power in heaven and upon earth, and the one who's going to judge us by his word. Have you heard it? Do you believe it? Are you ready to obey it? Here is an opportunity to obey it as together we stand and sing.